Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. People of Earth, your planet has to be destroyed. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Connor McSpadden. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? Connor McSpadden. Connor McSpadden's back. Back in the house. The black van dropped him off safely on the corner. And now now whenever I see a a three of clubs, I start saying the (laughs) N-word. So we got to be careful. (laughs) They're trying to to deplatform me subliminally. They're trying to make me get, you know, unwoke enough that I won't be able to tell people what what they did about Cuba or whatever. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. What have you been doing since you've been gone? I mean, I've been telling people anyway. But. Well, I've started. I've started wearing joggers, which is probably the biggest <laughs> thing in my life. Is I, I've bought about four pairs of joggers from various Ross Dress for Lasses around the country. Sure, and uh, I got to say they're breezy. You know, I don't wear shorts. I have terrible Irish legs. Right, but right. I mean, you get the ventilation of shorts, but they're, they're, they look cool. they look slick. You know, <laughs> it really pulls a lot. Off? Yeah, pull. No, they don't snap off. No. I will be buying breakaway pants probably at some point Soon. because I have a level of disposable income that I'm. I Google jetpack prices and shit. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing like my. I'm spiraling out of control in life, but I do have a, a lot of cool jogger jogger <laughs> pants. And I wrote uh, for some TV shows and stuff, <laughs> and we went on the road. No, the, the, all the usual, a lot of Indian casinos and you know the racist jokes for right. You know, fucking you know famous people. That's, that was what I've been doing. So. That was David Bell joining us today as a guest. Hello. Blah, blah. How are you, man? I'm well. David Bell co-hosts the Best Bad Movie Ever podcast, which that's a plug that makes sense on this show, because I think this is one of the few shows where maybe some people just listen to this and don't listen to anything else, but they should. They should. Should listen to Best Bad Movie Ever. Especially- well, yeah, all the, all the hardcore McSpadden heads. You know, they just- <laughs> <laughs> the, I'm on the episode of Best Bad Movie Ever this week. It's about... The remake of National Lampoon's Vacation, which is a national treasure. Are you taking heat for that? Because no, I've been get. It's been kind of mixed. The okay. the Patreon comments so far have my my back. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because it's a good I, movie as well. I, all I've seen on Twitter is people not agreeing with you. Um, well, that's because everyone on Twitter is a fucking Nazi. <laughs> well, yeah, they're all cops. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. they're in Jack Dorsey's back pocket. To- <laughs> Delegitimize the crowdfunded podcasting network, and not on my watch. I'll tell you right <laughs> yeah, now, we're yeah. fighting back. So yeah, we are talking about a thing today that I, we've sort of talked about on this show before. In that we have an episode called "Who Killed Tupac," where we run oh. through all the various theories about who actually pulled the trigger. I haven't listened to that. Who? who it was. Who uh, did it? it was Jr. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then Maggie shot yeah, Tupac. Yeah, Maggie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah, well, there were a few different conclusions there that came up in that episode. 
And that's almost not what we're talking about here. Right. I'm talking more today. We're talking about the idea that Tupac for pretty much the entirety of his career was the target of an FBI harassment campaign that could very well have ended in him being murdered at the behest of American intelligence agencies. That's all. Mm. You can hear about it on the behest coup ever podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the word behest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good word. Well, cause, yeah, he was on the like just in case kind of watch list, which is something that you kind of learn. It's like you, you hear a lot, you hear about a lot of things. You're like, well, socialism has never worked. It's like, well, yeah, it's because we have like a whole like, like a, a floor of the FBI that's like, all right, guys, go kill socialists and right. de- destabilize yeah. their, their countries from within, you know, with <laughs> fucking election rigging and shit. That's, yeah. that's why so oh, many... Oh, this guy's getting popular. He's got some pretty good ideas about, you know, being nice to your mom and uh, reading books. So let's let's yeah. get him shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, look into Venezuela and what role we've had in destabilizing venezuela oh yeah where you need a wheelbarrow full of cash to buy gum you know yeah and that that's us basically declaring financial war on venezuela back in 2014 but hey we're getting off track so yeah the the fbi they have a history of doing this kind of thing yeah and my argument here is that what happened to tupac for most of his career was just an extension of the fbi's efforts to bring down the black panthers that I mean, that doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah, I looking at, I mean, we'll go through it, but looking at it all, I'm I've been like in in the middle on this because I feel like it, it, the thing I can't decide. Well, it's like I love rap music, but I also love my female body inspector T-shirt. And <laughs> right. I don't know how I choose. <laughs> no, the thing I can't decide is whether or not they're doing it extremely intentionally or if it's just this. I don't know. It, it, yeah. Like that thing where Congress is like doing meetings about rap music and stuff. Right. It's like I can see some of them thinking that this is a legitimate concern, stupidly thinking that, but thinking that. And then right. there's others that have a little more like insidious thoughts about it. Like I, it's, it's, I, I'm just, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Yeah. One of my, I, sh- I should point out a lot of what's, pretty much most of what's in this episode comes from. What might as well be the Bible of this podcast, which is the book Drugs as Weapons Against Us by yeah. a man named John Potash, who I'm going to try and get on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Soon. I mean, we I mean, we have to talk to this dude. He wrote this is possibly my favorite conspiracy theory book. It produces my favorite conspiracy theory, which is that Courtney Love was a CIA operative whose role was to break up budding music scenes with drugs and infighting <laughs> yeah. when they started to get too leftist, <laughs> which sounds crazy, but it is a compelling fucking theory. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And That's a good one. So a lot of that, a lot of what we're going to talk about today comes from that book, and I would suggest, like, if it sounds interesting, read the book, because I am, I'm just kind of glossing over the information in there, and also he links to all of his sources, so you can go check the source material for and yourself. N- now look, his uh, his uh, his domain name has been suspended for lack of payment. I'm assuming, <laughs> you know. So we're we're trying we're trying. I, I think we got his Y mail. We're not sure, but we're the, the wheels are in motion. This is a good time to do this episode too, because this week marks the 22nd anniversary of the death of Tupac. 
And right. the twenty second anniversary is the conspiracy anniversary. That's where you get yeah, you yeah. buy the conspiracy theory. He was for like the gift. shot in the seventh and died in the hospital on the like thirteenth. Right. I, I was Seven reading because I noticed theory. he's like yeah, it's like a nine eleven sandwich where he's the bread. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm not I don't know why people think it's so weird that his death is unsolved. He just so he got shot on the jam packed Vegas strip after right. a Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> yeah. It was in front of Circus Circus, right? <laughs> It was. Oh, that was right where I uh, did a porn shoot recently. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a parody of Tupac being shot on the face. Oh, I wish. No, I mean, it was just another fucking roast because I have exactly one goddamn trick. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I I guess I did it. Yeah, someone, I think it's Chappelle, maybe. There's like more people saw Tupac get shot than the fucking moon landing. Yeah. 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 There were so many people around, and somehow this has never been solved. And. Like I said, the main theme of this book is that the CIA, one, sells drugs, and two, uh, uses music to sell drugs, but also monitors musicians when they start getting a little too leftist with their politics. The CIA, the FBI, someone is going to go in and stop them. Because if you have drugs, you become annoying and easy to discredit. Right. You know, because they show you the truth. Exactly. The, here's a, here's a question: How many far right types have ever been assassinated in this country, or just right leaning types at all? Well, I'll tell you what: they need to make another taxi driver soon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, De Niro. Just uh, it doesn't have to be good. I mean, you know, people are people flip out about Inception. Like, let's just you know, let's bring Travis back, and we'll see if we can get another uh, <laughs> fucking fat ham sandwich eating guy to you know get a get a gun off of Craigslist. And <laughs> yeah, that is the. The uh, the closest thing to a, a right leaning oh, right. assassination yeah. was Reagan, and that didn't work. Yeah, well, that's like the old Bill Hicks bit where he's like, Kennedy shot, you know, Kennedy shot, King shot, X shot, Reagan wounded. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? That did result in a great punk band name, which was um, Jody Foster's Army. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice. Fucking punk band. Oh yeah, that is a good name. Yeah, but yeah, when it comes to like, I I don't know I. Is it still crazy to suggest that maybe that rash of assassinations against left-leaning political figures in the 60s and 70s might have been somewhat of a government operation? Well, yeah, I mean, the Joint Chiefs, like, didn't fuck with Kennedy at all, and they were just like, well, like, they were, like, pretty much to his fucking face, we're like, you gotta, like, play ball with us, you know, and keep doing the shit that we've been doing, and he was like, no, and they're like... Oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, there's an easy way. There is an easy way. And I mean, it's. I, just... I do think someone like pulled Obama aside and was like, "Look, here's the deal. All right, you can be a lame centrist that governs by executive order and gets a, a watered down version of your health care bill, and you can live to see your daughters graduate from college, or you can try to shake things up, see how it goes. <laughs> your call. Welcome to the government, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah." It's got. I feel like it. It probably. It has to be somewhat. Is like this that. about fear of socialism? Because uh, the idea that like that. I mean, everything's accusations of socialism, and the the idea that the left would go further towards socialism. I mean, the, the these right. people weren't like they were like they were they were left leaning, I guess. But it's like the people that killed like you know, excluding like King and X were like not even that fucking radical. I mean, right, people that could right. be called Republicans, you know, in Europe, but they're they're like, yeah. oh, it's not not enough for us, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it it does kind of seem like that. Like it it's a means of keeping down communist or right. socialist ideas. 
and keeping them from going mainstream. Right. I'm going completely off of an Exiles episode when the cigarette smoking man kills um, Martin Luther King because he supports socialism. So. That that sounds about right. Yeah. And yeah, the Mar- we just did an episode of the about the MLK assassination with Madison Shepard, and that's a the only assassination from the golden era of assassinations, as I like to call it, that I haven't really looked into is Malcolm X. But I bet there's some weirdness behind right. the assassination of Malcolm X too. There's definitely weird shit behind MLK's assassination, and the thing is, there's a documentary everyone should watch. It's a PBS documentary about the black panthers and where do i have it in it's called the black panthers vanguard of the revolution not to be confused with my minecraft server the black panthers uh <laughs> you know we got a i got a pretty fun you know thing. just play, play by the rules and you're welcome but <laughs> and the thing about if you watch that documentary it makes it really clear that the government played a big role in bringing down the black panthers right like it was their main purpose in the late seventies or in the late sixties, early seventies, yeah, was to destroy the Black Panthers, and they did a great job of it. They sure did. Yeah, yeah. It and they they stayed at. Doesn't it. one of them have like a barbecue sauce now or something? That wouldn't surprise me. One of the Black Panthers. Yeah, but I don't want to say definitely. Yeah, neither do I. I also yeah. feel like I probably shouldn't have brought that up without more information. <laughs> Somebody that was some kind of an activist sells barbecue sauce now, and that I'm probably just... <laughs> it's probably the guy from the dead candidate. Adam, Adam put, that, uh, put, the, put that deck of cards away. <laughs> we got East Bay Ray and Klaus Floride's special punk rock hot sauce. He just saw Paul Newman, and he was like, why not me? Yeah. <laughs> the Biafra Zone! It's the... <laughs> <laughs> and I bring up the black panthers because tupac is so intrinsically tied to the black panthers his mother was a member of the black panther party in harlem afini shakur he was born to her in 1971 his father was a bronx-based black panther named asada shakur and his stepfather matulu shakur was well, his middle name is carne asada shakur <laughs> <laughs> he often took Tupac to activist meetings as a child. And when the FBI put Matulu Shakur on its most wanted list, they actually visited Tupac at school to ask if he'd seen his stepfather hmm. anywhere. And at the age of 17, Tupac was made the youngest ever elected national chairman of the New African Panthers, a group that by that point was active in eight cities around the country. So... Tupac definitely has deep ties to an organization yeah. that has historically been targeted for elimination by the FBI. And the fact that he became so famous would make him an even bigger target, right? Yeah. Right. In yeah. that if anyone was going to breathe new life into that movement, it would have been Tupac. Right. For sure. It's like manifestos. Who's reading them? But fucking radio hits. Yeah. It, it's Holler if you hear me. Yeah, yeah. What? What a fucking great song that is. And there's, I, I left it out of the notes, but there's a lot of... This book, man, the allegations it makes will ruin everything you like about music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a bit in here about Tupac's second album and about what happens with Interscope Records in between his first and second album that is really fucking interesting. But anyway... Let's talk about... Did anyone watch this prison interview? I watched uh, a little of it. I watched more of the first clip. 
I this is a thing I watched a few years ago, and what really struck me about it, it was filmed about a year before Tupac died. Okay, it was filmed sometime in 1995 while he was still in prison. So mm. I, sorry, it didn't even occur to me he's in movies. Like he acts. Oh, he's so in, he in Juice, right? Yeah. Yeah. You say Juice or Jews? Uh, juice. Juice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen any Tupac movies, but his last movie he's in was, Jews like, also. was like a cop thriller <laughs> thing. I mean, he fucked t- Streisand. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> he's in a whole bunch of movies. He's yeah. in Poetic Justice with uh, Janet Jackson. Uh, he's in Above the Rim with Woody Harrelson. Right. He's in Juice, which is uh, like one of his first movies. Yeah, he had a, a pretty, he had almost as successful of an acting career as yeah. he did a music career. Yeah, he really did. That never occurred to me. And it started pretty much right away. Like it didn't, like he was doing movies before he was Tupac. Right. Like because there, there was a, a bit Because he like acted in high school and shit. He was like yeah. trained in it. Yeah, he was like a theater kid. Yeah, basically, who just happened to grow up around a bunch of Black Panthers, which in theory makes him probably more dangerous than your average Black Panther in the eyes of the government. Well, yeah, he knows right. how to you know fucking use finishing nails on Luan to make yeah. a set. So this this interview, one thing that comes up in this book a lot as being a thing that the FBI and American intelligence is really wary of is gang conversion. Which is the idea that, okay, there's a lot of street gangs doing bad things right now, but what if, like, overnight they all turned into the Black Panthers? Yeah, what, started- if they, what if they all had, like, a unified, you know, purpose and yeah. goal? Right, because the infrastructure's there. The organization is there. Yeah. yeah. All they need is a reason and, and, and a purpose, yeah. Right, and the right person to guide them in that direction or the right incident. And so this is – let's listen to a couple quick clips from – this Tupac prison interview, because I remember watching this a few years ago and being like, and just thinking, like, this is what the government kills people for. Right. And here we go. Who had life. He had nothing, nothing to lose. You know what I mean? So when you start looking at it like that, you'll start seeing that the, um, it just don't weigh out to be in our favor. So we need to start figuring out another way. Now, if we do want to live the thug life and the gangster life and all of that, okay. So stop being cowards and let's have a revolution. But Uh-oh. we don't want to do that. Dudes just want to live a, a, um, a character. They want to be cartoons. Mm-hmm. But if they really wanted to do something, they was that tough. All right, let's start our own country. Let's start a revolution. Let's get out of here. Let's do something. But they don't want to do that. They want to pimp our communities and, and portray this image that they know we all can't survive and make it. And that's what I saw. Even though- so that's one clip. And that's that's a pretty radical statement coming from. Oh, let's. Anytime you start, you talk about starting a new country. It's like whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's. I mean, but that is one of. If you look at the concentration of hate groups in the United States, California is way up the list. I think we're number one or number two oh, in wow. terms of most hate groups. And the thing, one of the things that puts us over the edge so to speak, when it comes to other states, is we have a really high concentration of black separatist groups. Mm. And I think it's debatable as to whether a black separatist group should even be considered, considered a, a fucking hate group. Yeah. And But that's kind of what Tupac is proposing there. And just the idea that, hey, well, let's have a revolution then. Like, 
Well, yeah, it's like I, 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 kind of the, the the thrust of what he's saying is like, I, you know, everyone, you know, likes this image of this lifestyle, but it's like, let's do something with it. You know, yeah, like we're just let's kind of turn it on. Yeah. The we just kind of have just a bunch of gangster <laughs> stickers on, you know, for the for the sake of, of fun and aesthetics. But it's like, yeah, let's fucking. Yeah, I don't know. Let's fucking. <laughs> yeah, I like how casually casual he is about it. Where he's just yeah. Like, Look, you get, yeah. You you want to you want to you want to fight someone? Let's fucking. I'm just picturing a bunch government. of like Fuck dudes it. in suits that have like wheeled in a cart with like a VCR t- uh, TV on it, like watching this. Just like <laughs> we gotta figure out. <laughs> All right, let's get them tickets to the Tyson fight. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barry, can you get your guys on this? On it, Chief. All right. Them or smarter. All right, knowing what you know. Another clip. What do you think about youth and gang violence in America, especially in the black communities and Hispanic communities? Youth and gang violence. Um, I think I'm, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for it. I think gangs can be positive. It just has to be organized, and it has to steer away from being self-destructive to being self-productive. I think this country was built on gangs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this country still is run on gangs. Republicans, Democrats, the police department, the FBI, the CIA. Those are gangs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The correctional officers. Mm-hmm. I had a correctional officer tell me straight up, we the biggest gang in New York State. Straight up, you know. I buy that. Beyond Farris, she really got. So that's another clip of him saying, "Hey, maybe gangs should just be a good thing." Yeah, yeah. Well, he's right that the idea that our country was founded on gangs, more or less, in the sense of a group of people getting together and being like, you know what? Back in Thomas Paine's day, pamphlets were like mixtapes. Yeah, and uh, a little something called common sense got the streets buzzing, and next thing you knew. Yeah, we were reading hardtack and starving in Valley Forge. <laughs> but it is like if you watch the PBS documentary about the Black Panthers, it seems like the thing that really set the government off was when they started giving kids free breakfast. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, like for yeah. some reason, at that point, breakfast. the government was yeah. like, "No, no, those kids will feel good about themselves and do well at school. They can't I... have enough calories to learn. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've been over this." And that's kind of the the thing. I mean, that Tupac's is proposing here. The foundation of capitalism is the idea that kids have to like pay for their lunch right that early. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. And the thing about this ties into we've never done an episode on it because there's just not a ton of other evidence or details about it. But a few years ago, there was this internet post from someone who claimed that he was present at a meeting in the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there, where all the heads of all the record labels were brought to this location, and someone came in and was like, okay, so here's what you're going to be pushing and promoting for the next few years, gangster rap. And you're going to be pushing and promoting that because we have private prisons to fill and we have drugs to sell. Oh, jeez. And gangster rap will do that. And now... All of your favorite pioneers of gangster rap have jobs on NBC or in Hollywood. I mean, you're you're quoting an internet post, right? Yeah, that's the thing. And there's no other details or information. But it's just one of those things that sounds right. Right. I think this is when it it gets like – because we see this on both sides. Like – like, like, I mean, right now, Trump supporters are using random internet posts and the idea that the government is just secretly against them to justify bad things. Like, I feel like it's it's – I can't quite. I know what you're saying. No, but oh like, no, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't quite cross that line. It's because yes. Well, I, I, I think I learned everything I needed to know in the Hitbox Office uh, movie Straight Outta Compton. You know? 
That's true. I think I pretty much, I mean, I don't know about all, all the, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly fucking possible, I guess. But. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of, it's just such a compelling idea that I wish someone would find some government documents that prove it. That would be, that, that's right. I sort I of mean, feel that way is, about. I believe, I believe the idea that record executives like might've pushed that. Um, but not because of any necessarily meeting, just because of like right. the inherent racism in the in the system. <laughs> like that's what it means. Yeah. Like all the things you're saying is true. I just don't know if I believe there's like set meetings where they sat and said, "Okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, right. and this." Like the Congress having the meetings about rap. Like I believe that was they were doing that. No, and then the Joker walks in and he's yeah. like, <laughs> "You guys want to know how I got this hard? <laughs> I'm a gangster." Uh, so listen to MC Eight music to drive by. <laughs> MC Eight Eight Eight. I've only seen it. I've only seen it uh, written. <laughs> so another connection Tupac had between uh, himself and the Black Panthers, Geronimo Pratt. He was a Black Panther leader at one point. Father of Father of Spencer and Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, someone definitely not the police. Uh, acting on the FBI's behalf, tried to kill him while he slept in his bed. Like a sniper just shot at him. That's pretty suspicious. While he was in bed. What? And they <laughs> getting shot in bed. Like, it, it, like <laughs> I do like when like the 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 corrupt like fucking dudes just get lazy and they're just like, I don't know. What if we uh, like? What if we send him a thing in the mail where he won a safari and we just like had to meth up an elephant and have him like you know where it's just like not even they don't even try to like ah oh, he's coming out of a nightclub it was a I rival mean, gang they're just like ah it's just fucking oops a drive by from a high powered rifle that you can't get outside of the government must have been a fucking gang. I mean, the meth elephant elephant thing you just pitched is brilliant. The elephant, yeah. they call it. Yeah. <laughs> it was something that Hannibal employed on his uh, on his march to Rome or something. I gotta say, he did. It's if it's a sniper shot at a sleeping man and it misses, it might not be a professional at that. Point. Yeah, that's... I mean, I can still see them like giving some guy a sniper rifle and being like. You do this, you get to like keep the rifle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get. We have a paper bag full of <laughs> loose cash. Yeah, loose. Cash. You know, and they they missed. They didn't hit him. But a few years later, he was framed for murder by the FBI in the late sixties. That's his claim, <laughs> and that's a very bold claim. I know. But here's the thing: his conviction was overturned in nineteen ninety seven because the prosecution failed to disclose that the witness whose testimony sent him to prison was also an FBI informant. Right. Wow, that's awesome. And it's like, well, let's just stack this. <laughs> and is it it's not illegal for it to have been an FBI informant. Like it's not bad, they just didn't disclose it. They didn't disclose it but like, oh, we didn't think it was relevant yeah know? and that that's the thing i yeah, think the that's thinking is that, the well, fact that they why wouldn't it. you yeah why would you hide that yeah and the thing is tupac actually worked on geronimo pratt's defense team in the late 80s uh including rapping at benefits for he, w- pratt. he wore his formal nose ring at the courtroom <laughs> <laughs> and black panther leader huey newton also started working on pratt's defense team in ni- 1988 Huey Newton was murdered, maybe assassinated, in 1989. Well, they wanted his cookie recipe, and he wouldn't give it over. He, he knew how to turn the fig into a delicious, healthy treat. 
And I that's do love that, a goddamn Fig Newton. I don't mind they them. Are it's, great. it's a pretty good little. They're, it's it's like an old person like, yeah. snack. They're like but little it's like pies. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pies of the future. They have a neat texture to them. Yeah. You know, Dippin' Dots has been the ice cream of the future for like what twenty years now. It's yeah. the ice cream of now. Guys. Yeah, and it's not that it's good. It's time. <laughs> I had it for the first time recently, and I found it to be so fucking overrated because it's, it's been hyped up to me, and I'm like, this is just like ice cream that hurts my teeth more. It's just clumpy ice cream. Yeah, yeah. It's like I want to, I want to lick and say, you know, I want it to melt and you know mm-hmm. change properties as I enjoy it. Like that's part of the fun, you know. It's just it's ice cream with one form. You just made boring ice cream. Suck my dick, Dippin' Dots. I don't know how they get it into the tiny little balls, though. That is impressive. <laughs> They're probably like little like ice cube trays. Like little molds? It can't with his, be that. Because it's no, it so many of them, though. It's got to be some kind of chemical thing that does it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, there's got to be like a silicone bead that turn, makes like a pearl of ice cream yeah. you know, or something. Yeah. In the ice cream clams telling you guys, that they're enslaving to make Dippin' Dots. <laughs> Justice for the ice cream it's clams. nanotechnology. Mm. Yeah. A bunch of little drones just drop them on a table. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, there's, there's, they, they have like tiny people they've shrunken down that have melon ballers and they just <laughs> scoop them out you know, while their fingers bleed. So this is an interesting detail. The framing of Geronimo Pratt and the murder attempt that preceded it were both allegedly done at the direction of a man named Richard Held, who moved to San Francisco to become head of the FBI's field office not long before Tupac and his family also moved there. And again, that sounds like crazy talk. Like, what kind of proof would we have that Richard Held, San Francisco field office agent, uh, actually did this? And the uh, the thing is, there was a lawsuit filed by Earth First activist Judy Berry because the year after the death of Huey Newton, she was injured in a car bombing that paralyzed her from the waist down. She was asked at a press conference what she thought about the FBI's search for the bomber. And this was her reply. I hope the FBI find their man, and when they do, I hope they fire him. That's a pretty great burn. Damn. And she filed a lawsuit that implicated Richard Held in this bombing, and this they she eventually won the lawsuit after she died, unfortunately. But uh, her partner, Daryl Cherney, was eventually awarded $4.4 million as a result of that lawsuit. And it's suspected that this lawsuit led to Richard Held's early retirement in 1993. Okay, hold on. No, we can't be sure. He might have. He might have just wanted to spend more time with his family. Of course, <laughs> exactly. You know, he started playing guitar. He wanted to see where his career would take him. Yeah. Wait, so she was paralyzed and sued. She sued the FBI. She, she yeah, she filed and, a, the, and lawsuit. the FBI was just after he died. They were like, "You got us," and they like, "How did?" Like what happened? What was the the official court ruling on this? Well, Were they're they just like, yeah, the FBI did it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you, you backed us Jesus. into a corner. We'll allow the justice system to work after there's no longer a human face to connect right. the story, and it'll be forgotten, except for on you know a podcast about uh, the government. <laughs> yeah, because this was like the late eighties, right? Like, and I mean, I'm, a, I'm sure because I mean, just imagine a, a lady who's just like, uh, here's I got five million dollars because the FBI blew up my spinal cord. You know, like yeah. I mean, like that's like a bad headline. But if it's just her husband, you know, just holding a check, it's like, ah, who cares? You know, I want to see the lady. You know, that's how the fucking media cycle works. And. Go I ahead. imagine for the the husband too, like after she died, and they're just like, "Here's some money." I'd just be like, "Sure, all right." Like, yeah, just move on at that point. And the thing is, right around this time, Richard Held is living in the same area as Tupac. And after Tupac starts working on Geronimo Pratt's defense, and Huey Newton gets assassinated, 
this is when all of the harassment of Tupac really starts. And the number of incidents that he finds himself involved in over the next few years, it does kind of seem like F, like the government is just fucking with him. Right. Yeah. The the first thing that happened right after he released his first music video, two Oakland police officers stopped him for jaywalking, and he claimed they beat him up. His uh, court testimony was that police officer Alexander Boyevich put him in a chokehold and repeatedly slammed his face into the ground. Tupac filed a lawsuit and eventually settled out of mm. court. I don't know. Cops putting people in chokeholds. That doesn't sound like cops. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't sound like for not. For, by, by the way, this is over a crosswalk. <laughs> this is, yeah. Because he didn't wait for the green guy to go to 7-Eleven. And it's worth noting, up to this point, Tupac has no arrests. He has no criminal record right. yeah. before his first music video comes out. And... At a, he performed at a benefit concert on the three-year anniversary of Huey Newton's death. At that, someone sh- named Demetrius, according to witnesses, shows up and punches Tupac in the face while he's signing autographs, at which point a group of men joined in, attacking him. A friend of Tupac's fires a warning shot, and then the crowd somehow turns on Tupac, and he gets basically beaten by this mm. mob. All while police are just kind of standing there, right, watching. Just like oh, this is not really our jurisdiction here. I mean, and if you look into the the, I thought this was the new dance the kids are doing. <laughs> Punch the guy you like. The thing about the FBI, all of their COINTELPRO shit that happened in the seventies is just available for people to go and read. And this is the kind of shit they would do. They right. would send someone into a fucking meeting of leftists or a rally or something to like just fucking fire a shot in the air and get the fuck out of there and yeah. we right. can just it, say it cause they cause violence it doesn't have to be like uh, uh, uh like a surgical like uh, it doesn't need precision they just need to fuck shit up right yeah and the thing is that's what happened here is as soon as this incident happened dan quayle all of a sudden the vice president of the fucking united states mm-hmm. goes on the in front of the nation to denounce Tupac lyrics at a point where Tupac had sold less than 500,000 albums in his career. Oh, jeez. So he was almost nobody. That seems like it's a solid promotion for Tupac. So much. Yeah, like yeah. just Mike Pence being like, this Hobson guy's got to go, yeah. you know? <laughs> and after this incident, he starts getting arrested all the fucking time. And over the next few years, Tupac is arrested close to a dozen times on mostly dubious charges, most of which are dismissed when they go to court. And uh, over this period of time also, the FBI field office in L.A. compiles a 4,000-page file on Tupac. This feels not the same, but similar to that Stormy Daniels getting arrested thing, where it's right. like, she's, like she was called out and now... There's gonna be cops like like this. Oh yeah, because like- it was like someone was like she let someone like touch her tit at like a don't touch my tit like strip bar, you know? Yeah. And like she was just like, Yeah, this guy was fucking with me and I didn't know what to do and but- they're like, Well, you broke the law, lady. Yeah. And like it yeah, with this much heat on him, like if the vice president calls you out, then cops are gonna be looking for every fucking reason. Right. possible to give you shit oh exactly and it's like yeah you want that fucking photo hanging up in the lobby of your like like podunk oh, ass yeah. police department it's like what he's doing a show in cincy we got a fucking let's see if his tags are up to date you know mm. yeah and 
Keep in mind what's happening in the background of all of this. The Rodney King riots had started by this point, and the Larry King riots when the, there was no, <laughs> not enough suspenders to go around. Someone snapped a man's suspenders. I know. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people forget the one of the immediate aftermaths of the L.A. riots was a gang truce, and that gang truce turned into uh, started turning into a lot of what Tupac was saying in that prison interview. Yeah. Where it was gang leaders coming out and going, hey, how about instead of being gangsters, how about we be socialists and just put all of this money back into creating a self-sustaining community. We can police ourselves. And that's a thing that if you look into it, there are records and documents that show that the various intelligence agencies of the U.S. did infiltrate that and try to break that up also. And they did successfully break it up eventually. Well, yeah, some guy showed up with Costco sneakers and he was like, I'm here for the radicalism. You know? <laughs> they, uh, it was around this time also George Bush declared the Crips and Bloods, along with various other criminal organizations, uh, as having replaced communism as the main domestic subversive threat. Oh, hell yeah. And a couple of the people involved in the gang truce, Tony Bogard, he was a gang leader who gained national attention for championing the gang truce, shot and killed in January 94 by a reputed drug dealer who was released from jail shortly after pleading guilty to involuntary manslaughter. Uh. So he murdered the guy and immediately got out of prison. Also, Dwayne Holmes, another gang leader. They just had a revolving door, like a fucking department <laughs> store in New York City. Just like, all right, in and out. Thank you very much. Here's your paperback full of cash. <laughs> another gang leader, Dwayne Holmes. He helped finalize the 92 gang truce. He was arrested for allegedly committing a $10 robbery at a gang uh, unity dance. But I, I steal more than that every time I go to Target, you know? <laughs> and this was like the era of the three strikes laws, so he right. had a couple convictions. So he basically went to prison for life for that. And these were like the two heads of the gang truce. And he's like, can I just put back the vitamin waters? Like, can I? <laughs> I got the money. Like, And uh, around this time also, Matulu Shakur, Tupac's stepfather, who we mentioned earlier, was transferred to the highest security prison in the country, located underground in Florence, Colorado. A a warden's memo says it was done due to concern over his, quote, outside contacts (laughs) and influence over the younger black element. They're treating him like he's Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he's just like, oh, no, someone gave him a saxophone. He's going to tear down the walls with the power of spirit. Just crumbling around him. So it's around this time. Uh, 1993 is the first time Tupac is almost shot. And it's a it's a weird situation. He's coming home from. Uh, a show in Atlanta. It's always like, well, Tupac was on his way back from a bake sale to raise money for <laughs> you know a woman who was uh, beaten to death for uh, looking at a candy bar too long. And uh, at this point, uh, someone said that he raped them. So he, or whatever, you know, it's just it's just so fucking silly. Yeah, the the weird thing about this, he's coming back from a show in Atlanta, and his car stops next to a parking lot where he sees two white dudes beating up a black dude in his car and tupac stops and is like hey guys what's going on 
I like the idea of him like driving by, like that's a little weird, huh? Well, yeah. I like the idea of someone on a walkie-talkie <laughs> going, "All right, he's coming, start fighting." No, they well, they had like six dudes stationed at different. Like, well, I don't know if he's going to take. Uh, I don't know if he's going to take Pico or Foothill. So <laughs> yeah. let's just have a bunch of guys ready to beat up a you know a minority, uh, you know, just ready to go, and then we'll he'll see one of them, and he's got to do you, something. You know, the black dude was a cop too. Oh yeah, I God mean, damn it's, it. it's just like such an obvious trap. It's like this is like a like a like a a, a, a stick underneath a box with a jar of honey to get a bear. Like it's just like, oh, how do we like this is something that a white guy with a crew cut thought of, you know? And he was just like, it's genius. <laughs> and it almost worked because Tupac stopped and when he asked what's happening, one of the men pointed a gun in the direction of Tupac's group and shouted, "Get down!" which sounds like a cop. Yep. And another witness says he, quote, saw Mark Whitwell smash the Mercedes front passenger window with the handle butt of a gun and shoot at Tupac, who was sitting behind the driver. Another bystander said he saw, quote, one of the white males pull out and point a black handgun and then fired one shot into the Mercedes. Those attackers, Mark and Scott Whitwell, were off-duty Atlanta police. In their, Jesus. In their report, they described the incident thusly. N-Words came by and did a drive-by shooting. Tupac was arrested for attempted murder, tried, and acquitted because he shot back. I I don't know how I left that out of the notes, but he shot shot back back. at that, hit one of them in the ass. Oh, fuck yeah. And I think hit the other one in the arm. Wait, so there were two off-duty cops attacking this guy? They Tupac sees two white dudes punching so a black it, dude in his car. This feels like they didn't. They weren't trying to kill him. They were trying to get him to kill one of the. Yeah, cops. they were trying. They were trying to get him <laughs> like, arrested for attempted yeah. murder. Yeah, and they got him arrested. Well, but we all we all acquitted. drew we all drew straws at the precinct, and it looks like you guys are going to have to maybe get shot so we can <laughs> stop this guy from rapping about sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. I mean, fucking I'm trying love to think America because I don't think. See again, I don't think it's like it was that planned. I think it must have been facilitated in a way to end. Like, yeah, that's that's how I think about it, and I don't know exactly how. Where the idea that the cops they found the most racist fucking cops they could put them in this situation. Uh, it was so, such a difficult like, process. Yeah, one of them will get <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure finding racist cops in Atlanta oh, was yeah. a real chore. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, everyone here is just they're, they're all. They probably had to promise applicants that there would be other rappers they could target True. in the future. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there were just too many people applying to target. Can this be? Can here. this be my beat? Can I just be the, the LL Cool J Entrapment Squad? <laughs> and this is also. Please. It's basically and Tupac. So he shot back at these people who were shooting at him. Yeah. So basically, he did like the stand your ground stuff that people are getting away right. with now. And a jury found him not guilty. I as mean, a result. Yeah. Good in this instance. Yeah. Oh, it's just fucking. I mean, it's the same shit that happens today. It's like all well, these protests and stuff. It's like there are people that are just like, this is like the like I'm trying to look. I'm looking for an excuse to do what I want to do anyways, right. which is like fight. You know, a socialist or a black person or both or what the fuck ever. Like then they just they just show up and like wait like well I uh, he had a he pulled a a, a a a cell phone out of his pocket. I thought it was a guy had to do it, you know, and they mm-hmm. they just like. It, going out cruising for it, you know what I mean? And what's crazy is it, it. I agree that it does seem like they were trying to get him arrested, and you know maybe get him sent to prison. And they do. He does eventually go to prison on a rape charge, 
And I know this isn't a popular thing to say in these political times, but I think that rape charge was the government targeting him and trying to get him arrested also. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I don't know much about it or I haven't read into it. What's, um, what's the argument there? Well, it happened in 1993 again. So basically like a month after this police shooting, the same year as the Atlanta shooting while he's filming above the rim. Uh, he Ken meets, and Jocelyn McSpadden that just brought their beautiful baby boy home from the <laughs> hospital. He meets a, oh damn it, I don't think I put the link in here, but he mentions this guy in a song on the Machiavelli album. The song's called Against All Odds. Uh, he meets a Haitian music promoter named Jacques Agnant. And Agnant introduced... name. Yeah, and he's on this Tupac song, he calls him Haitian Jack. And goes into this long verse about how Haitian Jack was a snitch working for the government who set Tupac up to be arrested and eventually set him up to be shot. And Agnant introduced Tupac to Ayanna Jackson, or Ayanna Jackson, the woman who eventually accused him of assault. First night they met, they had consensual sex. She said in court records that she, quote, kissed his penis on the dance floor, and then they had sex Aww. in his hotel room. Yeah, just a little... And she came back a few nights later and had consensual sex with Tupac again, but then claimed that after that, Tupac and a few associates assaulted her. And what Tupac says and said in court was that he was hanging out with this uh, Jacques Agnant when he called, when Agnant calls for Ayanna Jackson to come to the hotel room again. He says he got oral sex from her and then went in the other room and passed out. And he said when he woke up, it felt like he had been drugged. And in the months between the – and after that, she claimed that he and Ignat uh, basically sexually assaulted her. He was charged with forced sodomy and forced oral sex, I believe. And so then the, uh, when the trial starts – in the months between that and the trial, the FBI somehow loses voicemail recordings from Jackson <laughs> that it's claimed would have implied all the encounters were consensual. Meanwhile, Jacques Ignat, one, was bailed out by a policeman's benevolent association lawyer who also represented him in court. And Tupac's trial lawyer obtained Ignat's rap sheet, which showed a long list of major charges up and down the East Coast, all dismissed which is a really good sign, if anyone has seen The Departed, that someone is probably working for the FBI or for the government. Oh, so he was kind of their guy, like, do some dirt, we'll get you off. Right. Okay. And it sounds like a crazy suggestion, but we wait, know the FBI has informants. He's the, wait, he's the other guy who she accused? Is that what's going right. on? Right. So, so it's not that she made anything up so much as this guy was, you're saying, was paid to, to assault her. Either that or, the, or she and him were working together right. as part of some sort of law enforcement operation to entrap Tupac. What's interesting about that theory is that that means that there's a casting process where it's just like, all right, we're bringing in 10 people. Which one do you think Tupac would find the hottest? And they, they <laughs> have to leave, like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, you know, like I got this. So there's like, there's again, a bunch of guys in crew cuts wearing Costco shoes just um, well, I mean, she has the booty, but does she have the certain je ne sais quoi that would attract a man of Mr. Shakur's stature? Uh, gets... That's definitely the hardest pill to swallow just because, I mean, this is more, of course, with the internet and stuff, but, like, 
women who who come out and say that they were raped or assaulted by a celebrity do not have a good time with that. Yeah, right. Um, of obviously, yeah, this is before the internet. But the, there's more to the trial. Near the end of the trial, the prosecution apparently at one point offered to accept a mistrial for having withheld evidence. And that evidence was photos of Ayanna Jackson at the scene that could have cleared Tupac. He rejected the offer, wanting to completely clear his name. And while the jury was still out, an associate of Jacques Agnat, Jimmy Henchman Rosemond, reached out to Tupac and offered him $3,000 to record a song with another rapper. So this is like when the jury goes to deliberate. Right. This associate of the guy. And I, f- I didn't put in the notes also, this Jacques Ignat also somehow manages to get his trial separated from Tupac's, which isn't a common thing. Right. It is a thing that takes a very good lawyer. And this associate of Ignat reaches out and offers Tupac $3,000 to record a song. And this is a quote from Tupac. I felt nervous because this guy knew somebody I had major beef with. Nigel, which is Ignat, had introduced me to Booker, which is Roseman. Everybody knew I was short on money. All my shows were being canceled. So the guy who was maybe an FBI asset is tied to the recording session that ultimately gets Tupac shot, which... It's a it's an impossible thing to prove at this point. No, is this when he's is this that song he did that was kind of about the Tyson match that came out that that was like the, the last thing he recorded if I'm if I'm not mistaken? No, this was before he even joins Death Row Records. Okay. This is when he finally goes to prison and the the incarceration where Suge Knight finally bails him out. Gotcha. And what Tupac said is, as he was approaching the studio, a 30-something black man was hanging out in army fatigues and didn't acknowledge him. He said he was too stoned to realize at the time how weird that was. Right. Because normally, as visible as Tupac was at the time, if someone was a rap fan and saw him walking up to a studio where rap songs are recorded, they probably would have said something. Yeah. When he got in the building, that man and another who'd been waiting inside shot and robbed him. Years later, a man named Dexter Isaac signed a letter saying, quote, James Roseman hired me to rob Tupac Shakur at Quad Studios. He gave me $2,500 plus all the jewelry I took. Hmm. And government documents show Roseman had been charged with a crime in 1994 right before Tupac's shooting. He met with U.S. prosecutors as an informant from that time until at least June of 1998. And those documents included an agreement saying his statements to the DA and U.S. state's attorney would not be used against him regarding the 94 criminal case. So, oh, shit. So they're so, just like, you scratch our back. You right. Know? And this was another common FBI tactic when they wanted to break up a subversive organization. They would go to someone who'd been arrested and say, hey, if you show up here and get us information about these people, we won't uh, prosecute you right. for that crime. Yeah. And so Tupac, he gets shot five times and still shows up in court the next day. He's found not guilty on most of the charges, including forced sodomy and assisting forced sodomy. The charge he's found guilty on amounted to, and this is a quote from the jury, touching Jackson's butt against her will. He received a one to four year prison sentence. Jacques Ignat for basically the same charges had his indictment dismissed and pled guilty to two misdemeanors. Wow. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. It's definitely odd. 
and it would take a whole other episode to to keep going but we will do another episode on it at some point because the next and this is where I, I need to get the guy who wrote this book on this show right because the next chapter is about how death row records was a cia front operation <laughs> oh fuck yeah yeah you haven't even actually gotten to like the killing the killing yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, the the name of the episode is the FBI versus Tupac. Okay. So it's when you get like we did an episode on the actual killing, right? And there's so many theories as to who would have actually pulled the trigger, right? And the thing is, it's any one of them could have been working for the FBI at that point. Well, that's the thing is again, like going back to. Like, it feels like the FBI has a lot of patsies more than anything else. Right. Like, it feels like what the most realistic scenario is them, like, not staging these things, but just putting money in the right places and right. suggesting, hey, or putting if the right you could suggestions do this, out there. Yeah, if you could do this, you'll get money for this. And well, so it's on like and kind so of their forth. whole deal where it's just like if you just sort of like blow on the fucking sails and it's like, well, we'll arm the insurgents or yeah. whatever, you know, and like they kind of just try to try to let it all fucking. And it also turns everything into a preposterous clusterfuck, which makes it harder to trace back to them. Right. Yeah. Because they're not trying to necessarily achieve a specific goal. Like that, they're just like they. It's not in, extremely important they succeed in doing something specific. They're just trying to destabilize this or trying to hurt one person. Yeah, it uh, seemed like for a good part of this, it was them. Like, my main point here is that it feels like a continuation of them targeting the Black Panthers. Right. And just movements of that nature in general. Yeah, well, yeah like, you know, the idea of a, of a gang truce and just people like, okay, what if this is now a, a activist voting block as opposed to, you know, a source of crime? Yeah. And they're just like, well, we can't have that. Which, given what I know about the history of both of these entities, the government and Notorious B.I.G., I feel like I feel more comfortable saying, yeah, it was probably the government. Than, oh, certainly. Because yeah. one of the other prevailing theories is that Notorious Big set Tupac right. up to be killed. And yeah, I've never I ab- bought that. Absolutely don't buy, yeah. It's tough because it's also uh, – this is also an attitude that I don't like right now, again, with going to the Trump stuff, is that there's a group of people It's easier to concoct a conspiracy theory than admit that this one person might be uh, a bad or right. might be at fault. So, like, I, f- I feel the same way as you about this. Yeah. But I have to recognize the fact that I get mad when I see like Trump people talking about large conspiracies yeah. where the FBI is against Trump. Yeah. Um, because I mean not it's all the same thing. Not all conspiracy theories can be true. Like that we have both conspiracy theories that there are secret structures we found on the moon right. and that we've never been to the moon. And I weigh like the yeah, secret structures better. So I choose to disregard the moon landing was right. faked theory i think it, uh, it can also all be like because I, I i did a, i was doing a lot of research on the concept of the deep state which would be the fbi and cia right and nsa and that there's theories that that's not so much an insidious thing as it is a status quo thing like the war of terror the patriot act maintaining that today is more people are like well you know i got a mortgage so yeah. I want to keep selling these this product to Guantanamo Bay. You know, like it's it's a system that they don't want to change. Right. And well, it becomes insidious because they don't want to change anything. And that could be targeted against people like Tupac. That could be targeted against people like Trump for good or 
bad. Like it's yeah. That like too. once the infrastructure is in place, it exists to perpetuate itself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like once they once they have all these people, you know, in, in, employed within something, it's very hard to like. It's easier to make a new government agency than it is to fucking shut one down. Like right. you know, I think if you, you looked at it, I'm, I'm sure a few have been consolidated. But it's like, well, yeah, it's like a, yeah, we're gonna make a space force, and then there's a good luck fucking defunding space force. Once they're like, well, you don't think these brave men, you know, like it's right. just impossible to fucking undo this shit. Like once you let the cat out of the bag, it's like it's like the old third rail of politics, like with you know social security and you know Medicare and shit. It's like, well, like once you do it, it's like now you if you take it away, then people get fucking butt hurt. Like that's mm-hmm. like, so like if you give them anything good you it's hard to take that away if you give them any if you give them anything bad it's harder to take that away so it's like they just want shit to keep moving because it's like it's a very precarious rube goldberg machine of a society and it's like if and they're just like if we fucking tax the rich it's gonna be a whole thing you know they're like anyone at a job they don't want to deal with it right you know i've always compared it to like an old house or an old car where it's like well if we fucking fix the wiring here we're gonna have to gut the whole thing yeah like they're just like trying to keep it together but they don't want to like start over yeah 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 so like i said we're gonna end there but i will i'm gonna try and get this guy on the show for when we finish this story because the next part of this, of course, is Suge Knight bailing Tupac out of prison right. and signing him to Death Row Records. And this book asserts that Death Row Records was a CIA front operation, which, boy, does that add a whole new level to this story. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Which uh, I like the idea that the guy that's featured on the real motherfucking G's diss track that isn't Easy E is a is an FBI informant, <laughs> and they they had like a, again a bunch of a bunch of white guys sit down and write like, uh, but it was a she thing, but not a G thing, a, a pussy thing, <laughs> bitch. Like <laughs> that would Dave, whoever that guy is that just picked the wrong fucking side so hard. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I forget his name. So so that's our episode. I feel like uh, if people want to be really, if nothing else, thoroughly entertained, go out and read Drugs as Weapons Against Us by John Potash. Yeah. And we're going to try and get him on this show at some point. It's a great name. It's Potato and Mustache. Yeah. 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 Uh, just don't tweet at him. I, I went out and looked at his Twitter. He tweeted one thing in 2011. Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's been the end of that. Uh, so what do we have to plug before we get the fuck out of here? Connor. Oh, guys, this weekend I'm in Laughs in Tucson in Arizona. If you're in the area, hit me up. We'll hang out. If you want to come to the show or whatever, I'll go to a diner with you. September 26th, I'm uh, headlining the Ontario Improv in 9-11. I'm headlining with Stats in San Diego. Those will all be fun shows. If you want to come see me, come hang out. Again, and hit me up if you want to hang afterwards, because I always hang with people. And then uh, first week of November, big old Mean Boys tour all through uh, Texas and the uh, the uh, the good old American South. So if you're not on our email list, go sign up, and you'll be the first to know when uh, tickets are live. Some of them are up right now, so go uh, go fuck with that. Nice. Dave, what do you got to plug? Uh, I got a streaming and podcast network called Gamefully Unemployed. You can uh, give us money or see what we're up to at patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed, G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y. I co-host Best Bad Movie Ever on this, the Popular Opinion uh, uh, Network. It's very good. Yeah, you do. And um, I write for bunnyears.com, so check that out. It's uh, Macaulay Culkin's lifestyle site. Dave knows Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Very nice. I'm his personal guru. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Dave, say goodbye. Goodbye. Connor, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.
people of Earth. Your planet is about to be destroyed. 